Calvary Church is located in beautiful Peterborough, Ontario, and is committed to impacting that community with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Each week, one of our preaching team draw powerful life application truths from the Bible. Check us out here or online at calvaryptbo.church. This is the last week of a four-week series that we are, have been on, looking at the book of Joel. And, and somebody asked me this past week, they said, has this been a difficult series for you? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it actually has been very challenging for me. I, I picked this topic or this series months ago. I try and work on, on all of my messages about six months in advance to, to know. So we've already got the summer already lined up and into starting into the fall. And, and we'll wrap up between now and Christmas in the next couple of weeks. But, but I picked this knowing that I wanted to preach this message today. At, on this passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at today. But in order for us to get to this point, I, I thought, well, why don't we just go through the whole book of Joel? I haven't actually spent that much time studying the book of Joel. I've read it a number of times, but I haven't actually took time to pull it apart and really understand what the point of Joel was. And my goodness, this has not been the easiest of, uh, of things to hear and study on. It is a challenging, challenging book. In week number one, Giovanni, our Spanish church pastor, he began to, to lead the way on this series. And he tried to bring across the point that sometimes in the midst of our lives, God permits things or even causes things to happen, situations to happen in our life for the purpose of drawing us closer to him. In week two, we began to look at the fact that this just doesn't always you know, happen instantaneous. Because God is a gracious and compassionate, a slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity on his people. So he doesn't, he doesn't just go for the jugular right off the bat. God is slow in this. And so oftentimes we see God, if we look back and if we're aware of it, we begin to see God trying to get our attention along the way. But if you're like me, you know, sometimes you got a little bit of a thick head, and you don't get it, and his subtleties aren't working on you, and so he has to try and get your attention a little bit more in a profound way. And that's what we see happening in the book of, of Joel. He's trying to get through to us to make a point. Now, last week, we looked at the fact that he does all this because he's a jealous God. Not in a negative way, like we qu want to quickly think of jealousy, but in a zealous or in a, a for-your-best-interest kind of way. He's trying to help us understand how you can live life to the fullest in the way that he intended. And over all of these weeks, we've been highlighting Joel's main point for the nation of Israel, for the people of God to come back and repent and plead for the nation. to, And even, I think, for us today to repent and to deal with our sin. And so I said, we, we, each and every one of us, need to deal with our sin. We need to define the sin that we have in our life. We need to express some kind of remorse. We need to adjust our attitude. We need to launch in a new direction. It challenged us over the last couple of weeks to, to deal with those things in our life. That we can get on the right track with God. Now Joel kind of switches gears here. And for the rest of this book, he says 
to the nation of Israel, listen, if you choose to do this, if you get your life back ready with God and, and in a right standing with God, if you find yourself repenting, if you find yourself in right relationship with God, listen to what he will do for you. And he begins to talk about all the things that God wants to do for his people. He says, everything that you've lost, he's going to give that back, and even more so. And we're going to pick it up in chapter 2 of Joel, chapter 2. And if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to read along with me. We're going to start at verse 28. He begins to say, okay, so, so God's going to re-give back everything he does, uh, or everything that has been taken away from you, he's going to give it back. And in verse 20, he say, after, or 28, he says, and afterward... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone... Who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Joel is promising to the people. He's saying, listen, God won't just work through one or two individuals. God will pour himself on all those who call on his name. The Spirit of God will rest on all those who call on his name. And he goes on to, from there, to describe what's known as the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a, is a Jewish motif. It's used to describe that day when God would dramatically intervene on earth to accomplish his work, both of judgment and salvation. In other words, at the end of time, there will be this big battle royale for eternal dominance for God's people. That is coming. That is something we know will happen according to the word of God. Today I want to hone in a little bit on what we can do as we're living in, in anticipation of the day of the Lord. The fulfillment of that call. See, today is a, 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 what's known as the, the day of Pentecost. I'm not sure if you're aware of that or not, but it is known as the Day of Pentecost for uh, the Jews and for the Christian calendar. Now, Day of Pentecost literally means 50, and uh, it's otherwise, it's also known as the Day of Feasts, or the Feast of Weeks, sorry. And um, so Leviticus 23 talks about this institution or this celebration that God had asked the nation of Israel to follow, and it was to be the Sabbath or the day after the seventh Sabbath, Sabbath, post the Passover. In other words, 50 days after the Passover, or after Easter. It was originally a festival that was celebrated uh, for the first fruits or the, of the grain harvest. But by the time of Christ, however, it was considered the anniversary of, giving the, of the giving of the law of Moses. So Moses led the people out of Egypt, and he went up into the mountain, and he got the law from God that was written on stone for him, and he brought it back down, and they were this was a, a moment to celebrate that. And it was what was known as a pilgrimage festival. So 
the, the nation of Israel was to come to Jerusalem. They were supposed to pilgrim to Jerusalem at this time to celebrate this festival together. Now, that's still a celebration that they, they live up to. But this day is important for the Christian calendar as well. Because it was on this day, about 2,000 years ago, that about 120 men and women were gathered in an upper room and they were praying. And it was about 9 in the morning when this was taking place. And they had an encounter that changed who they were and the movement of the church for the rest of time. I want to read that encounter this morning. It's found in Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament. So just so you're, so you bring you up to speed. So Jesus, he had already uh, was crucified and resurrected. And he spent about 40 days with the disciples and talking with them and doing a bunch of stuff. And then he ascended into heaven in front of their eyes. And, uh, and so this was about 10 days after that, that we pick up the story. It's on the day of Pentecost. And it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. That means the, the 120 of them were all together in one place. And suddenly the sound, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven because of the pilgrimage. Many were there. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native languages? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and, and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language, in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what's this mean? Some, however, made fun of them. And they said, ah, they just had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, listen to this, what he quotes right here at this moment. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, will pour out my spirit in those days. I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And listen to how he closes this passage of Joel. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. See, in the midst of this moment, Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit says that Joel's prophecy, which we read earlier, has now come to pass. Now, it's not the totality of the day of the Lord that Joel talks about, but it's more of an inauguration or the beginning of the day of the Lord. Old Testament prophets, and more likely even those at the time of Christ, probably understood the day of the Lord to be either one literal day or maybe a a few consecutive days all really close together. But as one theologian writes, the Hebrew word or term for day does not always refer to a 24-hour solar day. But it can 